What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Just Friends, the podcast where everything's made up and the points don't matter. I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and we have a super exciting week this week. Our guest this week is a man who I described as the king of PRP, and he chuckled, so I think he liked it, Mr. Troy Davis. Troy's voice sounds like gravel grinding up against itself at the bottom of a strong flowing river. I've listened to this episode like seven times just to hear him talk. But not only does he sound pretty, he has a lot of really interesting and profound things to say. A really thoughtful person and really fun to talk to. Troy was a phenomenal guest and he didn't really have any reservations about getting vulnerable, which I really appreciated. And I hope you appreciate it too. So without further ado, I'm super excited to introduce to you our friend, Mr. Troy Davis. So let's go ahead and get started. Like, I guess where we'll probably start is for some of the people who don't know you, you were talking earlier, you, you and I didn't really meet until high school. Right. And even then we weren't really super close, but some friends of the people, of friends. Yeah. And but you said you went, you started off at elementary school at Trunnell. At Trunnell. Um, who all was there? So some of my closer friends, Nick Reynolds, Stephanie Kiefer, Thomas Roundtree and I were very close. I'd go to his house. I remember his dad being in the army, which I thought was incredible. Didn't his mom speak French too? I think so. Yeah. I don't remember too much. Thomas and I kind of grew apart the older we got. But Thomas was a good friend of mine in elementary school. And then my mom met my little brother's dad. His name is Bruce. Met Bruce. We moved to Valley Station, which was very close to my grandmother's house. So I already had this connection with Valley Station. Felt at home. I was about 10 at this time, uh, 9, 10. So then I started going to, in the fourth grade, I went to Watson Lane for like the last half of the year. When I showed up at Watson Lane, they were doing schoolwork that I had already completed at Trunnell. Mm. And I was big on keeping old documents. Even today, I still have uh, report cards and everything <laughs> really? from elementary school. Do you have yearbooks? <clears throat> uh, I think the oldest yearbook I have going back is like maybe like a seventh grade. So I'm not sure. I don't remember my mom wanting to fork out the $40, $50, whatever it was. That was just something we just... It was like a luxury item that Mm -hmm. even just to skip ahead a little bit, but going back to yearbooks um, in high school, I did not purchase a freshman year, but Stephanie Kiefer was like the editor of the yearbook or she was on that team. I was in the yearbook office with them one day and stole a (laughs) a 2004 yearbook. So I have that now. So it makes my you know whole high school collection complete. But so fifth grade, I ended up going to Jacob Elementary, which was neat. It was a long bus ride from Valley Station. I didn't have a connect, but there were very few kids until we like got closer to the city. Sixth grade and seventh grade was Frost Middle School, where... A lot of delinquent children. Mm-hmm. I went to Stewart, so I can kind of relate to that a little bit. So yes. yeah, same kind of atmosphere, not too far away. A lot of fights. Yeah, they're in the same building now, actually. Oh really? Stewart Middle School used to be like a high school. Frost is on one side, Stewart is on the other side. Why they do That's it that neat. way, I don't have any idea. But Robert Frost, love it. Oh yeah, Robert yeah. Frost. 
He was yeah. like a super big famous poet, right? A big poet. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, they named the school after him, which I don't know of his connection with Valley Station or Kentucky at all. But, I don't either. So that was sixth and seventh grade. I remember being, you know, kind of a standout student because it wasn't too difficult. And I thought I was kind of bright. My mom always put education first, even though there were many, many problems going on at home. Drugs, things that you're exposed to as children that you just shouldn't be exposed to. And eighth grade, I ended up transitioning because coming back to the education piece, my mom wanted me to have a better high school experience. I was not going to be going to Valley High School. She just wouldn't allow it. She went there. Her sisters went there. We knew the type of children that were going there and knew that she wanted something different. Yeah, that place has its challenges. I have friends who've gone there and I think they would agree with that, that there are challenges there. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. And some of my childhood friends who I don't really speak to anymore other than a happy birthday on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's, we just grew apart one because of me leaving that area. Another, we grew apart sooner because I went to a different high school, hung out with a new set of friends, learned new experiences that were different from that area. Even though kind of South Louisville is all still, you know, kind of relatively, same family status as far as like earning opportunity and things everybody's kind of pretty on the same on the same playing field here yeah it's weird to hear you have talk about your upbringing and and tim too because it's so similar to mine and it's so similar to what i know about jake and what i know about casey right and honestly i wouldn't have thought that when we were coming up in high school I would have never assumed that like everybody else was having some of the same challenges at home as me. So it's interesting to hear about that. What was it like for you moving school so much? Was that hard? It was hard, but I think, so like I've always thought of myself, we mentioned the chameleon or social butterfly. And that's definitely been me. Either I didn't play a lot of sports. I don't remember. Well, in a way I didn't play a lot of sports. I didn't really stick with a lot of sports. I swam at the YMCA for a year mm-hmm. um, this is very young um, eight nine played soccer for a year ymca then it was played like some little league football and then i played freshman football at pleasure ridge of prp which was great but i didn't stick with it because i wasn't any good <laughs> I, I was slow and i was overweight i was just chunky like i wore like husky jeans from walmart <laughs> and so and I still remember seeing that Husky tag. And I was so ashamed only because I just like to eat. And if you look at pictures of me from back then, people wouldn't say like, oh, Troy was you know overweight. It was just that I was just like sloppy with it. And <laughs> I wore the same like white t-shirt and khaki shorts. Like if anybody remembers like Troy from high school, they're going to say he was probably wearing a white shirt and khaki shorts. Um, but white t-shirts are, are cheap and you get seven in a pack. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. So high school was very different, but even then I moved groups a lot. So jumping in with football, then in gym class, playing football with people, TJ was in there. Yeah. He was my star wide receiver in the gym. Um, TJ and I were good buddies. And then even for the first couple years in high school, I was only on the honors team. And didn't get, because I had to take like the advanced placement test again. And um, and then finally got into like the English classes and the chemistry classes. So 
it was good. I always excelled in the math and sciences, but reading has always been, reading and writing were always just a challenge for me. I didn't have a lot of interest there. I have much more interest today, and I think a lot of that came from college. So I have a lot of books now. Anytime my birthday comes up or Christmas, always ask for books. I don't read them right away. A lot of them are on business and politics and biography of leaders. And I don't read a lot of uh, fiction, which someone we had talked about, but Tim is always kind of pushing that on me, which is nice. Yeah. Um, But I haven't opened myself up to it. Maybe I should. Maybe that will be a way to where I can finally like just immerse myself in a book and sit down for a few hours and actually read because I find what I'm reading now, although I am interested in it, I have to take time away. Yeah. You know, I sit down for 45 minutes and then I have to come back to it and I'm not comprehending as much as I really should be. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just my struggling with reading. Mm -hmm. And another piece of it is, you know, I think I'm interested in this, but am I really? Because the knowledge really isn't sticking with me. Yeah. So do you, have you ever thought about audible? Are you familiar with audible? I am. And I don't have any books. I don't think, I think the first book I downloaded through for audible was like the art of war. Oh yeah. Everybody talks about that. Right. And I think maybe because you can get it for free. Oh, that's cool. I need to do that. Which is nice. And I listened to that, but even that was five plus years ago, like college times. Um, one book that is important to me now, and it's kind of like a life lesson book, is The Total Money Makeover, the Dave Ramsey book. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. I am, yeah. I'm a very big advocate of what Dave pushes. I listen to his YouTube live every day, the podcast, if I don't catch it live. I actually lead the financial planning university course. Um, I did this at Christ Church United Methodist out on Brownsville Road. That's cool. It is very neat. So I like to think of myself as a good leader. Mm-hmm. But standing in front of a class whenever you haven't gone through the class, I did that for the first time this past year in the fall. And you're there for nine weeks. You watch a series of videos. They're discussing questions. You open up with families and dialogue with people that – you really wouldn't like, I wouldn't be friends with any of these people outside of this class, but it's good to hear about how other people, not how they struggle, but how they also succeed with their finances because so many people have a problem with doing that. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in going out to eat, going out on a Friday night, just overspending in general and not preparing yourself for those storms that are going to come. So I think since I've made some bad decisions in the past, student loans and cars, then I just shouldn't be doing things like that. And um, and if there's anything, I you know maybe somebody will hear this. Even though Dave opens up to, I think that Total Money Makeover book has sold like seven million plus copies. Yeah, there's still a lot of people out there that haven't been exposed to it, and it's something that's important to me because. I think it comes back to my upbringing and a reason why I studied finance and personal finance is because if you don't have anything growing up and I didn't have hardly a lot of anything that I want the future of my children and their children to be a little bit different. I want to be able to provide them an opportunity to where 
they're involved in extracurricular activities through school. I want them playing sports and just being, maybe it's a social status thing or a class, but I just want them to be a little bit different. And money will give you those opportunities. Yes, it does. There are a lot of things that you can do without it. And I know a lot of people and I am a product of that, but it just seems like not things are easier, but I don't keep myself up at night whenever I've got a little extra money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> versus the times where I'm checking my bank account constantly and can tell you every, you know, the last 20 transactions that are in there. Right. You don't want that anxiety. I want to talk about this more because one of the things I want the podcast to be is an opportunity for people to share wisdom that they've learned over the course of the last like 30. I'm 31. I turned 31 yesterday. So, uh, Happy belated birthday! Thank by you, the way. sir. I appreciate you on that. Facebook, but dude, you know you have a a perfect podcast voice. I'm right now. I'm feeling extremely jealous of like just the the lower end of your voice. It's very nice and it's very Thanks. soothing in my in this headset. But uh, I want to go back because you told me a super funny story at the coffee shop about middle school and how you just kind of felt excluded in middle school. Uh, so tell that story because it was hilarious. So middle school. Since I had to make the jump from Frost to Farnsley Middle School. Yeah, you moved around a lot. Where I met Tim and Ooh. Michael Mellick. So, and those people are still in my life today, which, I mean, we're like brothers. Mm-hmm. All of us are so different into our own things, but we all kind of reconnect a lot and come back to one another. In middle school, there were three teams. And I believe two of the three teams like had advanced classes or certainly one of them did. Maybe that was like the Comets or something. But anyways, there are three teams. One, the Comets. There's also the Astronauts. And then there's my team, the Star Seekers. <laughs> Just in the name. At the time, you know, I wasn't aware of them. Star Seeker. Yeah. You know, I'm just grateful to be at Farnsley. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thinking like, and I know some of the kids that were around me, not kind of putting any of those kids down, but not the brightest. Right. So they're not Comets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Comments are like shooting stars. That's right. Yeah. And we're just, you know, below everyone. We did have some of the cooler teachers. Oh, that's cool. Um, shout out to like Miss Lockhart, Miss Coomer, um, Miss Ulrich. Those names, I don't know why, but they just sound so familiar to me. I don't have, I didn't go to Farnsley, so I have no reason to why, but both of those names seem really familiar. I still have, going back to yearbooks, I still have my eighth grade yearbook. And some of the positive messages that I got from those teachers is great to hear. I remember like Miss Lockhart, she was the math teacher and she was the one trying to push me into the advanced program because of my strong math and science skills. And I just remember her, you know, dropping a little line in the yearbook, something along the lines of, you know, people in mathematics professions, you know, make a lot of make a lot of dollar signs <laughs> is what she put. And it, it made me feel good that, you know, the education piece was going to be a way for me to bring myself out of whatever I was in, whatever trouble I was dealing with. That's really cool. So you met Tim and Mel in middle school. I didn't meet Tim and Mel till high school. Um, I never really hung out with Mel. I don't even know. I'm sure he knows who I am just because, I mean, we were around each other, but I didn't really hang out with him a ton. And then we all ended up at PRP. Right. And that's really where most of the people that I'm talking to 
are coming from. That's kind of how I built most of those relationships. And for some reason, I don't know why, it's not the main group of people whom I consider like my tribe. Like I still, I just really value them, even if I haven't seen them in a long time. That a lot of those people are coming from high school. I don't exactly know why. But when I think about, like even my Facebook friends, most of those people are people who I used to know from high school, even if I didn't hang out with them. So what was your high school experience like? Because you had a a lot of challenging things happen during those times. High school was challenging. It was a time, one, where like you're just growing and developing like as a young man, which is good. Um, But if things aren't good at home, a lot of that tends to spill over into high school and high school is difficult alone even if everything at home is perfect because there's this acceptance thing you have to deal with i wanted to be part of the cool group the cool group of kids and i think i was on like the second tier i wasn't up there because i wasn't an athlete but i still kind of hung out with like all the cheerleaders the Brittany nallies and the chelsea haynes and the anna pippins and then I think going around from group to group, ultimately I kind of found where I belonged and belong today still because we're all still dear friends. But playing freshman football and quitting because I wasn't any good, then sophomore and junior year I didn't do too much outside of sophomore year I started drinking, which (laughs) was kind of neat and going to – like Michelle Johnson parties. Which were epic. They were epic. Another thing that happened sophomore year was I was in the Grease musical. Oh, yeah? Which was neat. And there were a lot of seniors in there. So I hung out with a lot of seniors. I went to that senior prom. Oh, nice. Sophomore year. The sophomore? Which was nice. Yeah. I danced with uh, Terriana Morris all night. Ooh. Right. So um, was there Anna Smith or Anita Smith? Oh, yes. Sisters. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Danced with her for most of the night, which was incredible. And then... I didn't know they were sisters. I remember Anita. Well, I think there's some type of connection between the two of them. I'm wanting to, I thought they were sisters. Obviously, I had separate last names, so there's something there. But I thought they were sisters. Um, then junior year, that's whenever I started to kick it more with the Mola, Scoot George. Him and I were great friends. I'd spend... A ton of nights over at his place um and then senior year it was craziness all the time things at home were challenging to say the least my mom had a drug problem um not drinking so much but certainly drugs in the house all the time i remember finding her you know like unresponsive more than like a handful of times and then she ultimately like passed away my senior year It was on like um, October 30th, or excuse me, October 31st. Her birthday's October 30th. She went out for her birthday. I found her the next morning, just devastated. I imagine. Um, But school, I was still so close to everyone at school. I ended up showing up at school at fourth period during lunch. In my senior year during fourth period, I was um, Tracy Issing's aide. And then I had her class, fifth period. So nice. Miss Izzy was the bomb. She was. Gosh, I saw her at the Yum Center. I was standing in line. I was going to meet 
my now fiance, I was going to meet her father. And it was the night when I was going to ask him if I could have his permission to marry Dallas. Yeah. So I have the ring in my pocket. I'm standing in line and I see a woman in front of me. I was like, it looks like Miss Issing. Yeah. So I say, Tracy. And she turns around and she's, oh my God, Troy. <laughs> and her and I loved each other. She is also family friends or friends of my family, mm-hmm. like East End family. So I think it may be like uh, since her sons go to Trinity and then I have some like distant cousins that go there and all that. Um, so I'm there that night, see Miss Hissing. Well, going back to the day at school after my mom had passed or during the day that she had passed, people were giving me looks of, you know, why is he here? And I remember hearing like those, not rumors, but just people whispering and wondering like what was going on. But I felt so connected with the people that I was there with, Um, you know, still sat at the same table with Miranda and Ashley Jenkins and my girlfriend at the time, Lauren. And I remember, you know, talking to Miss Ilnick, who I loved and Connie Spruill and Coach Fott. They were just they were very impactful on my life. And I felt like I needed that because I didn't have that with my own family. You wanted to be with your tribe. That's right. And my grandmother was out of town during that time. She was coming back, I think, from Tennessee. But, I mean, I remember getting my little brother off to school because he was in, like, maybe, like, first grade or something at the time. I think he was six. Man, that's crazy. Um, And, you know, he was asking about mom and, like, what's going on. And I was like, she's just very sick. And, you know, we need to get you ready for school. He was Jack Sparrow that day from Pirates of the Caribbean. I remember putting Because it was Halloween. Right. So I remember like helping him get dressed and putting like the eyes below his own yeah. eyes. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm not sure what movie, like which. I remember which that, one you're talking about. Though. Right. Yeah. Which version that is of the, like the trilogy or the four plus movies. I think there they are made. like five of them now. Right. Yeah. So that was a difficult day, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is, what helped bring me out of that is my friends. That's why I think what you're doing is so important because we're able to connect. There's been a decent amount of time since high school. Many people have achieved a lot so far, even though we're all still right around the 30 mark. And it's important for me to hear how people are doing. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with what someone has achieved, what I haven't achieved or what maybe I have and somebody else hasn't. It's about, I just want to see everybody kind of succeeding. Yeah. And knowing that we all kind of went through high school together, are now doing our own things with children and marriage, and things are really starting to take flight. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, there are a lot of people who have kind of, going back to the finance thing also kind of hits there, it's they've changed their family tree. Yeah. I mean, people that are engineers and teachers either they've already done a lot for themselves or like yourself. I mean, I know there are challenges, but you're doing a lot for, there is going to be a child one day that talks about, you know, just you teaching him. People are going to remember that. Just I certainly hope so. Like you and I are sitting here talking about the people that we were around. Yeah. So it's going to continue. That merry-go-round is going to continue to go. But then there are all the, there are also people that had an idea of where they wanted to be. And they're not there yet. Right. Um, myself included. 
I thought I was going to go be an engineer. That didn't happen. Um, at least it hasn't happened yet. I think I still have a mindset of wanting to be an engineer and still doing that someday. But where I'm at right now, it's about controlling what I can control, getting some of these financial obstacles moved, and then I'm going to have more freedom to do what I want to do. And I think that's what's so important about the Dave Ramsey thing and staying on a routine and having a budget and just being very disciplined and intentional with, with your decision making. All right, guys, we can get back to our conversation with Troy in just a second. But first, while I have him here, I would feel pretty bad if I missed an opportunity to plug his company, Louisville Lawn and Home. Let's be honest. Everybody wants a beautiful, maintained, and manicured lawn. I take a lot of pride in my lawn myself, but I also spend a whole lot of time investing in it. And not everybody wants to spend their weekends slaving away in the summer heat behind a hot lawnmower, pushing it around the yard, changing the strings out of the weed eater, and getting dirty and sweaty and shit. It's not super fun. Not to mention, not everybody even has that weekend day to spare. Lots of us are parents. Not me. But I know how busy I am without kids, and I can't even imagine how you guys find time for anything, let alone lawn care, especially on the weekends. So that is where Troy and his company, Louisville Lawn & Home, come in. They can turn your lawn care dreams into a reality. Louisville Lawn & Home provides a wide variety of landscape services, including full lawn care, pressure washing services, and more. They have everything you need to turn your home and lawn into an image that you can be proud of. And I hate to mention it, guys, but it's true. A lot of us are in our 30s now. How much longer will it be before we're responsible for our parents' lawns? That's two lawns a week. Ain't nobody got time for that. But don't worry. Louisville Lawn and Home have you covered. And at the end of the day, you know they're an awesome company that you can trust. We're talking to the owner right now. And he's a cool-ass person. So if you or someone you know has a lawn that needs some love, reach out to Troy at Louisville Lawn and Home. Their email address is Home at gmail.com and start your journey towards a beautifully manicured lawn that you can be proud of. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. It's really interesting for me to hear you say that you felt like you were on like a a second tier status level because mm-hmm. my perspective you're like the king of prp and the way that i viewed it part of the reason why is because <laughs> of the way that you just kind of like mingled and it said a lot to me about your character like you were just going to be cool with no matter who it was and I'll, I'll never forget one interaction that i had with you and it was after your mother had passed away we were walking through the cafeteria on our way to the tech building. You may not remember this. It was a 30 second interaction, but it said so much about who you were as a person and I'll never forget it. And you jokingly ragged on me about something and I was like, whatever, your mom. And then I realized, fuck, what did I just say? I'm an idiot. And you had every reason in that moment to be a dick to me. And you just chuckled and realized that my intention was not to hurt you at all. And you gave me that slack. And you let me you let me be an asshole in that moment by accident. And you didn't give me shit about it. And you didn't make me feel bad about it. And I was like, that's why fucking Troy's the king of PRP. Because he's just a nice ass dude. who, And he's not going to cause me 
pain just because I might have accidentally caused him pain. He realized that I made a mistake, and he's going to let me have that mistake. And I felt shitty about that in the moment. But you could have made me feel way worse about it, and you chose not to. And I was like, well, he's just a cool dude. That's why, he, that's why he's awesome, because he's just a nice guy. So it's weird for me to hear that about you that, you, that you didn't see yourself in that way. And that's something that I think I'm noticing about everybody is we constantly undervalue ourselves. Absolutely. We, we don't see our – we see ourselves as through a lens of our own insecurities, and not everybody else sees those things. One thing – I do not remember that. Right. Maybe it's because of whatever was going on at the time. But one person that is very close to me that has done that multiple times is Tim Higdon. <laughs> I was the best man at Tim's wedding. Um, I have a sh- very, very strong connection with Tim and his family. Um, I appreciate everything that they've ever done for me and will continue to do and me to them. Mm-hmm. But what's sort of odd is I was sort of the asshole at BRP. Really? You think so? Absolutely. If if anybody asks, you know, about Troy, I think you're going to get more negative stories than you would positive. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was like if I joked on people or did certain things, if it made me feel good, which sounds terrible, like jokerish. But I did do those things. Um, I was an asshole. A friend of ours, Pat Thompson, gave out superlatives. I was looking, browsing through some old photographs on my phone. Gave out superlatives back, and this was just 2016, so things really hadn't changed much. I've got asshole of the year. <laughs> you know, it was at you know the end of the year. Yeah. He's giving out superlatives, and I get asshole of the year, which you know, ha ha, funny. But I've been a dick to a lot of people, and some of it was intentional. Some of it was like, if I make other people laugh, then maybe they'll like me more. Mm -hmm. Not the way to go about it now that I'm older. But hindsight being what it is, it's just now I feel like I'm trying to make up, not for lost time with people, but I am trying to make up for some of those things that I may have done. And it may not deal directly now with that person because I couldn't make a list that long. I mean, I just, I don't know what, what that would even look like. But I do know now, like with my work, so my work is very important to me. I try and do a good job, even though it's difficult to be around certain people and do certain things, but always try and give an extra effort, whether it's teaching someone or just lending a hand and picking up the slack. That's very important to me. And then also we had talked about this, but I own a small business the name of the business is Louisville Lawn and Home or Louisville Lawn and Home. Um, email, pretty simple and straightforward, Louisville Lawn and Home at Gmail. I do not have a website right now because it's still very early. I went from July of 2018 driving a Saab 93 and pulling, lugging around a weed eater, <laughs> a push mower that I would just fold the handle down, put it into the trunk. I had my two gas cans and then some, you know, weed treatment and that was it. I started out with maybe 10 to 12 lawns, pushing everything, made a decent amount of income. And then this past year, my business grew even more. 
I was able to purchase the vehicle I have now, put some money down on an engagement ring, and just sort of help alleviate some of those financial stresses. And then next year, I'm hoping to do the same thing. Maybe not grow the business, but I'm going to try and pick and choose kind of the customers that I have to maybe increase my margin. Or I know that time is money, so getting lawns that are closer to me. But any type of small home improvement projects, lawn and landscaping, um, pressure washing, I'm capable of doing all that. Which is um, which has been pretty neat, and I'm kind of the um, the maestro. I mean, I I conduct everything. I only have to hold myself accountable, which is challenging at times. But <laughs> you know, it's it's just about being disciplined. But I don't go out much, mm-hmm. hardly ever. So it's pretty easy to get up on a Saturday morning. You know, get my thermos of coffee, and I'm out the door, mm-hmm. busting ass. That's tight. Yeah, because discipline is something that I struggle with. I think most people struggle with. Well, not everybody. There are some people who got that shit locked down, but not about everything. Not about everything. Sometimes I can be really disciplined about some things and really undisciplined about other things. So I don't know. I'm going to definitely get you in contact with Dave Vandelberg because I think he could probably help you with the whole like website thing and stuff like that because he does some of that stuff. Okay. So I'll give you his phone number. I've heard the... The get to the van. The get to the van.com. I like it. And it's a great name. Yeah. Um, David was always a very nice person to yeah, be around. Yeah, he's just a great guy. He was just like a big, lovable teddy mm-hmm. bear. I don't know if the guy would really say that about him, but I just did. So I just remember David's hair yeah, and <laughs> him playing the guitar. And I was yeah. like, David's just a cool guy. Yeah. He was smart. Yeah. So you want to be around smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other people that you've had on here, although our connections kind of were a little distant at times, like Jake Stratton, mm-hmm. I remember listening to his podcast in thinking that if all of us would have been maybe a little more vulnerable and shared some of what we had really going on, all of us would have been so much more connected. Yeah. And I don't know, it kind of pains me to think that we went all this time, but then it comes back to your 150 people in the tribe. You know, maybe Jake just wasn't a part of my tribe. Yeah. You know, maybe he's on the, he's on the neighboring tribe. Um, but also, we were kids, man. So what, we didn't fucking have a clue. I feel like it was I was just kind of like meandering through life with no purpose until I was maybe like 27 or 28 years old. Yes. I had no clue. I was just like trying things out. Most of the time it was failing. And I was trying to just figure out who I even was. I still haven't figured that out yet, but I definitely have it keyed in a little bit more. And... I think everybody can relate to that feeling of just like, I didn't know what the fuck I was supposed to be doing for all of this time, but I was doing things. Some people, things worked out a little bit better than other people's guesses at what was going to work. But I don't think, I don't think it's too late for us to really kind of see those connections that we have with each other and to make attempts to try to rebuild those bonds and to, to tighten that community and kind of bring it back together. It's not too late. No, it's, and it's so positive to think about. Um, I don't know whenever somebody has these, like what feels like a roller coaster ride. I mean, I've had some very positive experiences in my life, a ton of negative things, but right now for me, excluding like this last week because the passing of my dog, 
it was just a very traumatic experience. And, you know, if how I've sort of described it to people is I woke up each morning and went to bed each night trying to care for something that just loved me for just being around and putting food in the bowl. So now trying to live without that has been a just an unbelievable challenge that I didn't think that I was going to have such a tough time with only because those negative things that I've had in my life. I mean, if you like had to rank them, losing a dog is going to be pretty far in the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we talked earlier at the coffee shop. I think it's, I was thinking about it on the way here. I think it's called downward comparisons. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever you try to envision, you know, a person or somebody else that is just going through an experience that is worse than whatever you're dealing with at the moment. And I'm sure that it's helped a lot of people, but for me, it's not something that I can really relate to or not necessarily relate to, but it hasn't helped me during this time. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's still early for that because it is still less than a week, but I don't know. I've just been struggling with it a lot. I'm really sorry to hear that that happened. I'm, I view my pets as family members, so I can, and that's, I think that's something that is new to the culture, but a lot of people can relate to. And I've had Winnie, my dog, since I moved into this house. I can't, I, there has never been a moment, maybe a week or two, that I lived in this house without her. Right. When she is not here, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. It's quiet. And I still have a cat. And the cat is still very important to me. It's not like I just choose dogs over cats, even though I might. Yeah, I think I probably would too. (laughs) You know, just because the cat, they seem like they're so much more resilient than a dog is. And it's because I can let her do her own thing for, you know, a week at a time if I'd like. And even though this week I can tell a difference in just like how she's sort of like moseying around the house. She knows that Riley isn't there, but I think she thinks that maybe she's at, you know, the kennel for the week. I don't know. Um, so the past few nights I've been staying at my fiance's place with her parents since we're still trying to move into our new house together. And I've taken the cat with me over there kind of just moved in for a week and I think that their support has really helped me get through this whereas with when I lost my mom I did have support around me but I just put the hand up at them and I didn't accept the love that they were wanting to show me and then I masked all that with drinking and now it's like, since I'm not doing that, last night was the first time I'd had a drink since Riley had died, but I haven't masked that. So the, the feelings that I've felt are so real and I wish I would have done things a little bit differently. But people say that that's, that's just the thing. Right. You said it earlier. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You can see the mistakes you make later. Sure. This is really nice, by the way. The setup? I like the setup. I like that. So this has been something that 
like the members of the MOLA had talked about doing a podcast for the longest time. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever you talked about, you know, eventually maybe being able to do like a small group, mm-hmm. something like that, that was something that we always talked about. But, you know, it's, um, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk. We just never got there. Yeah, the logistics of it for a person who has no clue would be challenging. Okay. Uh, the only reason that I knew what I knew and I knew like what hardware I needed and like in terms of like the mic setup and stuff like that was my experiences that I had working through the church. Right. So we talked about high school. Now we're talking about college. Uh, we I didn't even realize this. I don't think you realize this. We have a very similar college experience. Right after high school, I thought, huh, what could I do that would allow me to make a lot of money? That was my main motivation. And I was taking AutoCAD classes with Mr. Sewell. Did you did you know him? Yes, but I never took the AutoCAD, the AutoCAD classes. I remember hearing through David's, you're in David's podcast, you yeah. all mentioning that. I never got any exposure to anything like that. So when I was in that class, it kind of just made sense. I was like, oh, well, I'm doing AutoCAD. CAD's kind of like engineering. Maybe I'll do engineering. Right. No clue what it actually was and what it actually entailed. So I went to speed school, started there with... There was a lot of people. A lot of people went there. TJ, uh, Jake, Ryan Ray, Brittany Nally, Emily Brown, I think, eventually went there. She did, yes. Nick, Nick Wren. Do you remember Nick Wren? Dark hair, dated like the Emily yeah. chick. Yeah. Yep. He went there for a little while. I don't think he finished. I went there. I didn't finish. And I didn't realize that you had started there. And I found out immediately that I had bitten off way more than I was prepared to chew at the time. I was like, what the fuck is all of this? Like... High school wasn't like this. You could just kind of show up and you were solid. You couldn't just show up to the shit. And like full disclosure, I wasn't often showing up in the first place. So that was also a big part of that. That can be a big problem. Yes, it was. So I had didn't find a lot of success early on in college because I didn't have the discipline and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Can you relate to that quite a bit? I remember showing up for college. First class I think I had was Calc 2 like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Did you have uh, with the Tyler and Ralston? Yes. Yeah. And it was, you know, I'm sitting like in the middle of the class, and they go through quick intros, get right to it. Mm-hmm. And I knew pretty early on <laughs> that this was a big show. Yes. And I was like, if I stick around, I'm going to be very lucky. <laughs> because, I mean, it was one of them that, I've got formulas going on the board. I'm trying to take notes while another one's lecturing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as one stops lecturing and goes to the board, the other one begins to lecture. Yeah. And there was no time to for any of that. My brain just it couldn't it couldn't take it. Um and I was one where like I just coasted in high school. Everything was so easy. Yep. But I didn't have the discipline. And I remember like going to study for like our first test at Brittany Nally's house. And after that test, I don't think I went back to class. And I think I got like a C on the test. So like, oh, really? So you were solid. So I didn't do too bad no. first test. If you could get a C, if you could maintain a C in calculus, I think you were solid. Right. So I ended up doing an early withdrawal, all of my classes from L first semester. And then that spring semester, I transferred to WKU. Go Tops. <laughs> and I did pretty well there. I remember going to like Gordon Ford College of Business and just 
picking something. I was like, I'm going to study personal finance. So at Western, you can either choose the personal finance side or you can choose managerial finance. And basically like in my piece, it was insurance, social security, where the other piece was more corporate finance. And after I did very well that semester, got back on the Dean's list, like, or got on the Dean's list. And then I had in lunch with like the English provost or someone, his name was like Dale Billingsley or something. He, um, he was like interim L president for a while after they fired Ramsey and went through all that before the Benaputi. So, uh, I had lunch with Dale. He offered for them to basically grant me my scholarship back. So I was what was on like the Cardinal Covenant. And it was based on, they looked at like your conduct and your grades and then also your family situation. So since I didn't have any connection with my dad and then also had lost my mom and, you know, we just weren't financially responsible. Like my mom didn't really have things set up for any of that died prematurely. So they take all of that into account and basically gave me a full ride to L, which was incredible. So they give me the scholarship back and I transferred to the business college. And then I was there with like Nick Reynolds, went to school with him a lot, um, took some equine classes, which was really neat. But Nick worked at UPS nights and I went to interview for a job at UPS, went to the second interview, and my uncle Jeff was like a lifelong UPSer and pretty high up the totem pole. And I remember being in that second interview with the group of people where, you know, we're getting IDs and they're going to be sorting all of that out, going through new hire orientation. And she asked the question, does anybody have any family members here working for UPS? Of course, like I raised my hand. It's like, yes, my uncle is Jeff Jones. He works down at corporate in Atlanta. She comes back like less than five minutes later and was like, I'm sorry, you can't work here. So Whoa. it was before they did away with all the nepotism rules. And I just felt so like I knew a lot of people working nights at UPS, albeit not probably the best situation because you're just exhausted all the time. Right. But you're getting your school paid for. Right. I think maybe I could have slugged it out. Maybe. So then there was, I wasn't able to join that. So now it's just like, I'll see Nick at school. We would study often accounting tests and different things. And then that next spring, so I'm there for almost a full school year. I did a late withdrawal again, all my classes basically stole money from the university again. (laughs) And I took like maybe like six to nine months off. So from that spring, basically through the end of the year, I went to live with my uncle down in Atlanta, worked as like a lifeguard and worked in a restaurant for a little while and did the serving thing. Lots of great learning opportunities doing that though. It was, it was a great time to be down there, but my uncle luckily kind of gave me that kick in the ass of, you know, you're not just going to sit here. Like you're too bright to be doing something like this. I don't care what you study. We're going to get you back into school, pick out where you want to go. 
And I didn't know if like I could get into Georgia Tech down there or if I just wanted to go back to Western and be with my friends, what I was going to do. I thought about maybe applying to Embry-Riddle. I've always wanted to be a pilot. Well, I ended up choosing to go back to Western because that's what I knew already from having a semester there earlier. And that's where my friends were. Yeah, you had community. I think that's really important. I didn't want to just be thrown into another new situation where I didn't know if it was going to stick or not. So then we go to Western, and I did pretty well. Finished there and you know, got my finance degree. Nice. Now we're working at UPS. That's beautiful. All right, guys, that's the end of part one. And I know what you're thinking. Why are we listening to you talk? We'd rather be listening to Troy talk. Well, I'm sorry, but guess what? He'll be back this Wednesday for part two, the culmination of our conversation with Mr. Troy Davis. So you guys need to check in then. Make sure you finish out the week strong. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please rate the show and leave us a review. It really means a lot. And if you haven't already, let everybody know about the Facebook page, about the Instagram page, and about the community group. If you have an episode that you really like, maybe just you know post a link on your own Facebook page for other people to hear it. I wouldn't have believed it myself, but our most listened to episode up to this point got over 200 listens that resulted just from two people sharing links to the episode on their Facebook page. So we're building this community together and I can't do it without your all's help. So share links, spread the word by mouth or by social media. I don't care how you do it. I just appreciate that you're doing it. And I hope you all know that I love you and I hope you have a fantastic week. Until I see you Wednesday, bye.